Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. If you agree with what Pastor Troy just prayed, would you just say amen one more time? You can grab a seat. Thank you. That's right. Thank you from back in the room there. All right. Do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Which one? Bad news. Okay. I'm going to give them both to you at the same time, so I don't even know why I asked you that question. Some of you in this room, because of the family that you were born into, have a huge head start on others sitting right next to you. But the rest of the story is what you do with that head start is all up to you. Let me prove it to you for just a second. King Charles... Just because of his mama and daddy, and just because he was born first to his mama and daddy, was in line to take the throne. That's all because of his DNA, and King Charles didn't do anything to deserve it. But listen to this, church. What he does while he's on the throne is 100% up to him. By most measures, the richest people on earth who are set to inherit their parents' wealth are the two Zuckerberg daughters. Now listen, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, even um, Elon Musk's children inherit more money, but they have more children. These two girls, if mama and daddy were to die today, would inherit, listen to this number, $65 billion apiece just because of the parents that they were born into. What they do with that birth is all up to them. You want to become one of the world's greatest basketball players? If you want to be able to hit three-pointers from about a mile away from the rim, you're going to have to spend countless months and years in the court practicing. But it really helps, Steph Curry, if your father was a, in an NBA basketball great, if your mother was a collegiate volleyball superstar, it doesn't hurt to be born into that kind of DNA. And if anybody in this room has aspirations of beginning your acting career at 11 months old, literally starting to act at 11 months old, well, if your father is John Barrymore and your grandfather, I'm not making this up, his name is John Drew Barrymore, well, then maybe you have a chance of starting your acting career at 11 months old. But what you do after you start that acting career is all on you. Drew Barrymore. And the scientists say that if your mama was smart, you have a higher percentage chance of being smart. If your daddy was smart, you have a higher percentage chance. If mama and daddy were both smart, listen to these statistics, you have a 50 to 73% better chance of being born with a genius level IQ if you were born into a family with a genius level IQ. Anybody in this room would like to be jacked like Dwayne Johnson one day? Go ahead, raise your hand. 
It really helps if your daddy is Rocky Johnson. This is Dwayne and Rocky Johnson right here. And if your daddy has that kind of DNA, it's going to help for you to look like Dwayne Johnson one day. But newsflash, here's the rest of the story, church. You're still going to have to spend eight hours a day in the gym for about 40 years if you want to look like Dwayne Johnson. And what I'm trying to tell you today is the family that you were born into is hugely important. Some of those families gave you a massive head start. For some of you in this room, the family that you were born into was a huge disadvantage because you were born into an abusive family. You were born into a family of high school dropouts. You were born into a family where there is this curse that's been handed down from generation and your parents and your grandparents and their ancestors before them all fell into the same mistakes. They all made the same failures. And if you're not careful, you're going to fall into those same mistakes. What you're going to hear from the Bible today, Genesis chapter 10 is this, your birth sets where you start off in life. You didn't choose it. You had nothing to do with it. Nobody on planet Earth got a chance to choose where they were born, when they were born, or to whom they were born. It is chosen for you. But what you do after that is all on you. Your birth sets how you start, but it doesn't set how you finish in life. And in the book of Genesis... As we've been cruising along, we started in Genesis chapter 1. Today we get to chapter 20. You're going to read a lot of names. And you're going to read the clans that come after Noah. You're going to hear some people that were obviously, they had a head start over their brothers and their, their, their cousins. You're going to hear some people that had a, a huge disadvantage because of the family that they were born into. And I just want you to hear once again, really doesn't matter when you were born. Doesn't matter where you were born. Doesn't matter what color of skin you were born into or what culture you were born into. What you do with that makes all of the difference. What you do with that determines where your life ends. And today, We're going to read through what's referred to by some as the table of nations. You want to know where all of the nations on earth at the time of this book come from? Well, we're going to tell you where every single one of them come from today. And it all originates with the three sons of Noah. Now, if you were with us last week, we learned that Noah's sons are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And for whatever reason, we start the story today at the end and work our way back up to the beginning. We start with the clan of Japheth. And I realize this sermon outline may not mean anything to you today. I just try to find words that make sense to me. Japheth's children, when they settled down, they settled into the coastal cities. They dispersed along the coastal regions of the known world at this time, I'm going to start reading for you, listen to this, 71 names. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm probably going to get about 61 of them wrong. It's okay. 70 of those 71 names are the names of the children of children or grandchildren, descendants of Noah. One of those names, Philistia, is a place, not a person. Now you know where all 71 of these names come from. And can I just say one quick thing before we dig into the Bible today? As a church, 
We don't skip over chapters in the Bible, even the really hard to understand chapters. Meaning, we believe that every chapter in the Bible is important. Every chapter of the Bible is equally important. It just may not be equally relevant to what you're going through in life right now. So what I'm telling you is if you're reading through the Bible, don't blow off the book of Numbers. Don't skip over First Chronicles. Just keep right on moving. Don't camp there. Don't spend a lot of time there, but just keep right on moving. And chances are, at some point, you're going to get to a passage real soon that's going to be right where you're living right now. So let's start with the last son of Noah. Let's start with Japheth, and let's learn a little bit about his children and grandchildren. Here we go. These are the family records of Noah's sons. Three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They also had sons after the flood. Japheth's sons, by the way, he has seven sons and seven grandchildren listed here. Japheth's sons are Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, and Meshech. And Tirez, Gomer's sons, Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togamar. And Javan's sons, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodan. From these descendants, the people of the coast and islands spread out into their lands according to their clans in their nations, each one its own language. Now, if you stay with us next week, you're going to hear how they spread out. You're going to hear how they each inherited their own language. At this point, Noah gets off the boat, him and his family and his children start having children. And maybe Jesus was thinking about Japheth and this chapter when he said to his followers, you know, the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. So don't think of yourself. Don't break your arm patting yourself on the back just because of when you were born or just because of your place in society. What the Bible is actually doing for us today, just to give you a heads up, is it's doing a little Ancestry.com. But if you pay close attention to the names today, apparently this chapter is not so much concerned about the people as much as the place where those people settled down. If you were reading this passage 2,500 years ago, every single name would jump off the page because you would know those people, you would know that land, and you would know what that land did to your ancestors, and you would sit there saying, of course they're going to act like this. Look at where they come from. That's kind of what the writer of this passage is doing for us today. I want to remind you, nobody in this room chose your parents. You didn't choose when you were born. You didn't choose where you were born. You didn't choose your color of skin or your ethnicity. But what you do with what you were born with is all 100% up to you. The Bible scholars call this passage the table of nations. In fact, if you have a Bible with subtitles, it probably has that subtitle in chapter 10. This is where all of the nations of the known earth come from. This is one of those passages that should cause you Look up here for a second. When you go to bed tonight, don't take for granted the simple blessings that God gave you. Listen, the fact that you were born today and alive today and not 150 years ago is the reason you have a car to drive and electricity and a cell phone in your pocket. 
Because if you were born at another time, you wouldn't have any of those things. If you were born today, but in a different part of the world, let's say you were born into the African country of Niger, your lifestyle, your lifespan, your life expectancy, none of those things would be the same as the place that you were born into. And I need to remind you of this because it's a good practice when you go to bed tonight to thank God for the things that you do have. If not, you're going to slip into the terrible habit of looking at what somebody else has and what you don't have, and you'll start to regret what you don't have. Can, this passage is designed to just remind you the fact that you are here now in this place means that God has given you some advantages that the people before you didn't have. If you were born into the Romanov dynasty, you would have been famously wealthy until the Bolshevik Revolution. And then you would have been dead just because of the parents that you were born to. Had nothing to do with you. You didn't do anything right or do anything wrong. It was just the family that you were born into. And when you go to bed tonight, church, it may be healthy for you to just thank God for the simple things like where you were born and when you were born and to whom you were born because it could have been much worse. We start learning about the youngest son of Noah and then we move to the second son of Noah. Now last week, some really bad stuff happened in Genesis chapter nine. I'm not gonna go over all of that again, but it was so bad that Noah looked at one of his grandsons and cursed one of Ham's children. And what I want you to hear is this clan from Ham and one of the grandsons by the name of Canaan that is cursed because of what happened in Genesis chapter 9. Here's how the story picks up for us as we read about the four sons and about 50, a boatload of grandchildren that they have from the descendants of Ham. Ham's sons, starting in verse 6, were Cush, Mizraim. Would you say the word Egypt out loud? When, if you have a different English translation of the Bible, your translation of the Bible, instead of using Mizraim, probably uses the word Egypt. It's the same child, but just based on the translators, they translated it the ancient name or the name that most geographers would know about today. Cush, Egypt put, or Chush, Cush, Mizraim put, and Canaan. Cush's sons Sheba, Hivala, Shabta, Rama, and Sabtaka. And Rama's sons were Sheba and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod, who was apparently pretty awesome because he became powerful in the land, so powerful, in fact, that he was a great or a powerful hunter in God's sight. And people even use his name as kind of a uh, saying in the ancient times. That's why people say, like Nimrod, a powerful hunter in the sight of the Lord. His kingdom started off, and you should know where every one of these are today. His kingdom started off in Babylon, Erech, Akkad, and Kelna, in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria and, bent and built Nineveh, Rehoboth Ur, Kala, and Rezin. Between Nineveh and the great city of Kala, Mizraim, also known as Egypt, fathered the people of Lud, Anam, Lehab, Naphtah, Pathrus, and Kesla. 
The Philistines, by the way, came from them. And Kaphtar. Cana fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, as well as the, here we go, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Avadites, and the Zimorites, and the Hamathites. Afterwards, the Canaanite, cans, the Canaanite clans scattered. The Canaanite border went from Sidon, going up to Gerar, and as far as Gaza, and going towards Sodom and Gomorrah, Abdma. Zeboim, as well as far as Lasha. These are Ham's sons by their clans, according to their languages and in their lands and their nations. Now, the guy who writes this passage is Moses. And when Moses writes this, the people that are reading this for the first time recognize all of those lands because this is right where they're living right now. And if you continue to read the Old Testament, literally every major area of the Old Testament was just mentioned in this passage, you know exactly where the rest of the nations of the Old Testament come from by just reading this passage. And I think what Moses is reminding us is what you sang just a second ago. He really is Lord over all. Jesus really is king. That's why we call him King Jesus around here. And it's a good reminder for us that Jesus is king over all of the people and all of the lands. Like we read from Psalm 33, everybody on planet earth. Jesus is king, even though over the atheist, even if they refuse to recognize him as king, it doesn't make him any less king. And what Moses is doing for us today is saying, hey, do you remember Assyria who came into Israel and brutally destroyed Israel and, cap and took Israel captive and moved them off to Nineveh? Do you remember when those events happened? Well, Jesus is king over Assyria. Come on, somebody. He's saying Jesus is king over Babylon who moved into Judah and deported the people of Judah, who destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus is king over Babylon. He's king over Egypt that took the people in slavery. He's king over all of those ite lands, even the Philistine and the Canaanite lands where you're right now living. And these pagan nations doing great evil, even Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus is king over lands like that. And I think it's good for you to remember that no matter what's happening to you, no matter what's going on in your world, Jesus still sees from heaven the hearts of every man and every woman on earth. Just because it doesn't feel like it, just when, even when it doesn't look like it, Jesus is still Lord over all. And that means he's got his people right in the palm of his hand. And he knows what's going on in your life. And it's good for you to remember when some bad stuff is happening and you didn't do anything to deserve it. And Jesus is still king. When our children were really small, Dawn used to remind them pretty regularly. I chimed in from time to time, but Dawn reminded them pretty regularly about the family that they were born into. We would tell them, listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong, according to the Bible, with having a couple of glasses of wine with your friends after a hard day of work. There's nothing wrong with drinking a couple of beers with your buddies while you're watching a ball game, unless you're in this family. 
You see, the family of rampant alcoholics that you were born into, one drink of alcohol, if you're not careful, will become like crack cocaine. You might as well be taking fentanyl instead of alcohol, the kind of alcoholism that you were born into. So be careful because one drink for most people is totally fine. But for you, just because of the DNA that you were born into and you didn't do anything wrong or anything to deserve it, just because of the family that you were born into, that drink could end up destroying your life and you'll spend a lifetime making bad decisions and feeling the effects of it because of the family that you were born into. Nobody in this room chose your parents. I didn't and you didn't and nobody in history did. But even though you didn't choose your parents, you don't have to fall into the same cycle of sin, the same generational curse that your parents and your grandparents and the generation before them fell into. With the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God, you don't have to end up like Canaan, who is cursed because of what he did, and his children after him are cursed because of following in their father's footsteps. Which brings us to Noah's first son that Genesis chooses to list for us last. It brings us to the clan of Shem. And because Shem was born first, in ancient times, the firstborn gets the double portion. Shem ends up on the right side of the DNA lottery. Can I tell you why you should care about what's happening in the Ukraine right now? or another part of the world? Because all of humanity, literally every person on the globe, can trace our ancestry back to one parent, back to Noah. All of us are part of the same family. And by the way, the second reason why you should care is because what happens to one part of the globe might easily spill over to your part of the globe if you don't know, if you don't care. You see, in September 1939, when Hitler invaded Poland, nobody cared, nobody wanted anything to do with it because I don't live in Poland and it's not my backyard until Hitler invaded their backyard. And then when he invaded their backyard, he was too powerful to stop. If they would have just simply said, oh, no, you don't, we're not going to let Putin invade the Ukraine without us standing up and at least speaking out against it, because it could be us next. And we're all part of the same global family. So now we read the rest of Noah's descendants, and it's pretty obvious what happens next. There is one son from Shem that we're going to trace down for many generations. Check this out. And Shem, Japheth's older brother, also had sons. Shem was the father of all of the sons of Eber. Shem's sons were Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Amram. Now, Shem has several sons, and we can just assume that all of his sons had more sons, but we're going to trace one family for many generations now. Check this out. Aram's sons were Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Arphaxad, this guy is important because he fathered Shelah. And Shelah fathered Eber. Eber had two sons. One was named Peleg, for during his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. 
And Joktan fathered Almadad, Shelef, and Hazarmath, Hazarmath, I don't even know how to say that name, Jera, Hadaram, Uzel, Dikla, Obal, Abil, uh, Abimel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilel, and Jobab. All of these were Joktan's sons. Their settlements extended from Misha to Sheber, or to Shepher, the eastern hill country. These are Shem's sons. By their clans, according to their languages, in their lands and their nations, these are all the clans of Noah's sons, according to their family records, in their nations. And the nations of the earth spread out from these after the flood. If you were to read the last several chapters of Genesis, Moses is describing what happened on the earth's surface like he's sitting on the moon and talking about it from a distance. We're talking about the whole world. And then as Genesis chapter 9, we start to zoom into one particular part of the world. And in Genesis chapter 9, the chapter ends with Moses zooming in on one son and all of the descendants of that one son. Anybody have an idea? Why are we so focused on Arphaxad's children? Anybody got a clue why this family is so important? Because one day, exactly right, their descendants will have a child named Abraham. And all of the Muslims, all of the Jews, all of the Christians on the earth today will call Abraham the father of the faith. We're tracing Abraham's generations, and we can trace it all the way back to Noah. Actually, if you go back earlier in Genesis, when Pastor Troy was preaching, we can trace Abraham all the way back to Adam, whose father was God himself. And the Bible is giving us all of the nations, and it's telling you, you want to know why Egypt acted crazy and Babylon and Assyria went um, berserk against Israel? Well, look at the families that they come from. You want to know why the Philistines and the Canaanites and all of those other people brutally oppressed Israel? Well, just look at the descendants that they are and look at the families that they came from. Basically, the Bible is just warning us about the generational curse. If you don't rely totally on the Holy Spirit, you're going to fall into the same sin that your parents fell into. See, the truth is, your first father, Adam, was the only man planted on planet Earth, totally pure and completely without sin, and then Adam blew it. And every descendant after him, even Noah, blew it. And I don't even need to know who your biological father and mother is to know that they blew it with God. And you and I will do the same thing. There's only one man who ever walked on planet Earth who lived an entire sinless life. His name is Jesus. And because of Jesus, you and I can be forgiven from the mistakes and the sins that we commit from the sins that we inherited from our first father, Adam. But I want to challenge somebody out there who's been kind of sitting on the fence. You grew up in a Christian home. You've heard this message over and over again, and you've been sitting on your parents' faith, but it hasn't become real for you. In just a second, I'm going to challenge you to begin a walk with Jesus for the first time. For everybody else in here, 
who's been radically changed by the gospel, who Jesus is good news that he came to save sinners, I'm going to challenge you to live your life in such a way that your family and your friends will see that Jesus makes an impact on you. And they won't fall into the same sins and the same mistakes that you or your, your parents or your grandparents fell into. So what I want to do is pray for us in just a second. And I'm going to invite you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.